this has been said multiple times, but man, I want us to just be proud of our students that we have in our community. Um, it, I was so grateful for the students that we have, just the way that camp, we had 28 students that w went to camp, and even to see the, the director of the R Riverside Camp in Story City, to see the director and other people be raving about our students, about how kind and thankful. I mean, we even had students, like without any prompting, like get all of the other students together and say, okay, this meal was awesome. Uh, at the end of the meal, we're going to do one, two, three, and scream thank you to this. And the, like the students did that on their own initiative and stuff. So things like that were really encouraging and, and how they actually spiritually went into deep places. And we, we had students saying things that were deep, beautiful waters of gospel truth. And so be encouraged there. And then be encouraged with the leaders too. And if you're like, hey, I would love to be totally worn out for Jesus next year, <laughs> like let Christy and Madison know, um, uh, or, or any of us that you see in pictures know, um, it was an incredible time. Uh, we had uh, Christy, Madison, Carrie Ann, Ian, Nick, uh, David, Robin, Elizabeth, Shantz, and myself were the adults that went, were pouring into uh, the students. And so, man, just give them a slap in the face maybe to wake them up or a slap on the back um, because uh, it, was, it was really cool to see how the Lord really brought everybody together. And that's a big part of what our heart is, is like through kids, just so that we would be on mission to our community. And we had people who had never been to church service at the Collins Christian Church or here that went to camp as well. And, and we'd love to see that grow too, where, where people are really able to hear about Jesus kind of away from the regular busyness of their lives and everything. So, so we are rejoicing, not just for those who went, but I think as a whole church to just we, the people in Story City were like, something special must be happening in Collins-Maxwell area for these students to be this excited and to, for this to be like this. And, uh, and for us to be like, yeah, we think that that's right too. Let's like keep praying that that happens and that that continues to grow. Um, so we are in the most exciting series of all, our membership series, which I actually do believe it's exciting, but I think sometimes this could be seen as, oh, this is the boring stuff of the church. But I hope that where we're going with this is this is actually some of the most core things about as we now a year into the life of this church like why are we even doing membership uh, what is kind of what is this that we're all stepping into uh, for those who membership is not going to be like a requirement uh, there are some people that it'll be super healthy to be like hey i'm still checking out the things of jesus or uh, maybe in other places like it's never going to be a pressure to be a covenant member but two weeks ago we talked about like why we're doing membership and so that's on our podcast or on our website really encourage you to as you're driving around or whatever to listen to that last week we talked about very important like distinctive of as covenant members for us to be gospel centered and just what that means what that entails and today i kind of wrestled with how to describe this distinctive because i was like it's about the bible but I, we could say like as a people we're going to be informed by the Bible. But I was like, you know what, it feels like that kind of like misses a lot of what we're trying to say. I could say that we're, uh, we're going to honor the Bible. And I think you can honor a dusty Bible that's on the shelf and not, like you could honor it and say, oh yeah, we honor that. But it, it's, 
it's closer than that, what we're talking about, about the Bible as it relates to our church. And I think the clearest way to describe this distinctive of what we're aiming at to be as covenant members of Sacred Mission Church is that we are people of the Bible. That we would be people of the Bible. Hopefully even 20 years down the road, my hope, my prayer, is that we wouldn't just be people who like know Bible stories. Oh yeah, I know that story. Oh, I know that story too. Oh, I know that story. I knew that story before you were born. Like we wouldn't just be people who know stories of the Bible or that we just own Bibles, but that by God's grace, we would truly be people of the Bible. And it's like, what do I mean by that? Uh, what does this look like? Second Timothy chapter 3, there are, we could preach 50 sermons on this topic and not use the same verses and not say the same things. But 2 Timothy 3 is a very beautiful picture of what it might look like for us as members of Sacred Mission Church as we, Lord willing, uh, walk for decades together. Like, what would it look like for us to be people of the Bible? So we'll have the verses here. Um, if you don't have a Bible, it's for you. This is God's gift to each of us. And so we have a stack of, we don't have, a, we took a bunch of camp and I don't think they've made it back to the table yet, but uh, we have several on the table. You can grab one of those and it's yours. You can uh, keep it. You can give it to a friend. Um, but Second Timothy 3 is where we're going to be. If you need to look in the table of contents to see where that is, it's, it's pretty far back in the Bible towards the end uh, in the New Testament. Second Timothy 3, though, brings up to speed like what we're talking about here and what's at stake for us to live with the Word of God. And what I just want to say before we dive into this chapter 2, all of us, when I say the Bible, like some of you may have had people take the Bible out of context and use it like a hammer to you. And when you think of Bible, you're like, oh gosh, like that was what was used against me in like a really abusive way. And, and other people are like, oh, that's the book I've been trying to read and whenever I opened it, it just it feels like it's, it, I'm just not understanding it. And is this just going to be another sermon that's going to try and guilt me into like trying to read it again? Or you might be like, I love it. <laughs> like we could be everywhere on the spectrum. And I think what my prayer is, is for us to open our lives up to say, Lord, whatever my experience with the Bible has been up to this point, like would you just show me, would you show me what you want me to see from where I'm at right now as it relates to the Word of God and how the Word of God, um, how God has designed it for us and what that might look like in our lives. So uh, chapter 3 of Second Timothy, we're going to start at verse 1. And here's a crucial thing to see. And we're going to see, it's kind of, the argument kind of gets backwards a little bit. We're kind of reverse engineering this argument that Paul's making. But what we're seeing in verse 1 and what we're going to see in verses 1 through 9 is what life is like with a group of people where the Bible has no say in their lives. Okay? So verses 1 through 9 of chapter 3 is life without the Word of God. Okay? But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self. It's very, as we look through these nine verses especially, pay attention to what people love. Because that, man, it's like, if you're mentally just interested in something, then you may like work it into your life or you may not work it into your life. 
If you love something, you're going to find a way to make it like a key part of your life, okay? So when the Bible talks about people loving things, they're saying this is what is a key part of their lives. Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good. Lovers of self, lover of money, not loving good. Verse 4, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. When a community is built on pleasure instead of on truth, when a community is built on pleasure instead of on God, you might be like, oh, that must feel like Disneyland. We built a community on pleasure. That must be amazing. And a community, though, that's founded on just pleasure, what that becomes is a race to the bottom. Because it's not a collective pleasure either. It's like your pleasure. You know, and you see this with like, like Netflix. If, it's like, if you get like super like tied into binge-watching a show, and you're just like, oh, I love this show. I can't stop watching it. All of the life around you like just stops, right? It doesn't stop. Like you neglect everything that is actually important in this world because you're just like like connected to this pleasure that's actually like when you're done watching it, you're like, I haven't showered for a week. Like what happened to me, right? And why are all these Dorito bags that are empty on the ground? Like what happened? What happened when I was like lost in pleasure, right? And, and this is like lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God is not pleasurable. Pleasure can be so fleeting when it isn't coming first from a growing relationship with God. And uh, it was interesting even in camp this week to see students who you know, were born 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007 to see students even themselves talk about how things that they thought was going to bring them pleasure ended up being totally empty and ended up only needing them to go deeper into it and then realizing that was empty too. And they were on a road where there was no pleasure, even though they thought it was a road of pleasure. But that led them deeply unfulfilled. And it's amazing, like even our, our young people have already had firsthand experience on this. Then verse 5 takes us deeper into our life, what life looks like without truth, if we aren't being rooted in truth. Look at verse 5. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. You might look good on the outside, but the power to actually follow God isn't flowing through you. It's all appearances. And to that, Paul says, avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various 
passions. People who may be speaking half-truths and try to deceive people, and they're not grounded in the truth. Verse 7 says this in a very interesting way. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. When our lives are not, when we aren't people of the Bible, what, what we become is people who are always hearing truth and always have another question. Okay, I hear, oh yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but, um, man, I, I, think, I think there must be another way. I think that, uh, you know, I, I think there, I might know better than what God has done or all sorts of ways that we can navigate. Like, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning, and I never arrive. I never plant my life in the soil of the Bible and start really growing. Always dipping my foot in the pool, but never jumping in never diving into what God has for our lives. Verse 8, Just as Jonas and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose truth. Oppose truth. They're not lovers of truth. Lovers of self opposing truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. These men are not qualified to speak of the faith because they are not learning from God through his word. Not qualified. And man, this is like, it's good for us to be wise. Because <laughs> sometimes like, man, we're having coffee with somebody, we're sitting around a fire pit, and we're having conversations and recognizing that when we aren't hearing what has been revealed to us from God, like very likely we're not qualified to say what we're saying. Now that doesn't mean we don't have value. That doesn't mean like it's not good for us to be wrestling with things but I had this moment at camp where, where this uh, high school kid was saying something, and I was like, everything you just said for the last couple minutes was wrong. <laughs> but he was saying it in such a confident way, and it was like, I wasn't trying to be mean, but it wasn't like because I was saying stuff because I was like, hey, I'm smarter than you, I know more than you. I wasn't going there. What I was going was saying, everything that God has revealed to you is not anything that you just said. And you need to know that. Because if you go and tell all your friends what you just said to me, you're going to lead them astray. And you're speaking out things that you actually don't know about. And be careful. Okay? You actually probably need to listen and to make sure that you're lined up with what he has revealed to us. Look at verse 9. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain, will be plain to all as was that of those two men. So this I'm talking about a time of Moses where two guys were saying things and the rest of the people were like, I'm not buying it. You talked pretty persuasively, but no, I don't think so. I don't think so. A life, a community which has rejected or ignored the life found in the Bible, it might not look this way. You might be like, wow, you painted a really dark picture and I don't think our community is that dark. And I'd say, yeah, it might not be that dark, but it's on that path. If we go down the path of rejecting all that God has revealed to us, that we are going down a path that looks like verses 1 through 9. People who oppose the truth, who oppose the scripture, but we see a totally different way to be. And this is kind of it's like, okay, is there any hope? <laughs> is there any hope here? And what, what is being communicate to us is like, okay, let's now talk about how this plays into that reality. 
verses 10 through 17, we start seeing what life looks like, life being a person of the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, verse 10, starting saying, You, however, have followed my teaching. You have followed my teaching. I love right out of the gate, Paul speaks of how Timothy has simply followed what was taught to him. He followed what was taught. This isn't like rocket science. <laughs> like, this is how God loves us. It's not like, hey, you got to get a PhD to figure out who I am. It's like, no, it starts right here saying, this isn't rocket science, but it is powerful, is that you were taught truth and you followed it. And to Timothy, he's saying, you, however, have followed my teaching. Look at what happens when you're in a community of people that are authentically being people of the Bible. All their life is being formed but by God's word to us. And Timothy is following this teaching. Okay, So he's saying, hey, here's the teaching, and you're following the teaching. And you might be like, well, I know tons of people who teach things. But when you look at their life, you're like, what you're teaching me and your life do not seem to be lined up. You have something to say, but you don't have a life to say it from. And I love where he goes with verse 10. Look at this. You have followed my teaching, my conduct. Oh, thank you. Like we have someone who's actually living. Live, the Bible is not just something they're into, but the Bible is actually in them, radically affecting their life. You have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Paul doesn't say to Timothy, do as I say, but not as I do. We should never say that. Instead, he's told, do as I say and as I do. Follow me as I follow Christ. Even into verse 11, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. I love here that the pursuit of a life following God is not a perfect life. The pursuit of a life following God is not a perfect life, but when God's Word is forming us into God's people by the power of the Holy Spirit, teaching us the words of God of how to think, how to live, how to endure suffering, we can see that the Lord's rescue and our ability to endure in ways that is clear that we're being powered by someone else. We're being empowered by someone else. Look at verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Man, I think a good question, like just honestly, like do you desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus? Do you desire that? Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, like do you desire, I hope the answer for all of us coming from like a real place of counting the cost is like, yes, I desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. And it doesn't make sense why following the Prince of Peace would lead to persecution. It's like, he, I'm following the Prince of Peace. Shouldn't that lead to peace? Like every day? 
But there's, man, there's all sorts of things that are resisting the light, that resists Jesus. And he, he experienced this firsthand himself. And he said, don't be surprised as you follow me if you experience the things that I experience it. Yet would we deeply desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus no matter what the cost is, no matter what may come our way? Face persecution and see God work. Even the disciples, when they were persecuted, walked away and say, said, man, like God deemed us worthy to be persecuted as his people. Man, we don't deserve that. Like the disciples were actually experiencing that, that they were thankful that God would actually deem them worthy of being persecuted. While others, people are not being people of the Bible who reject his teaching, they're deceiving and they're being deceived. And man, that's a part of our grace to our community is it's like, oh man, I think you're deceiving people and I think you're being deceived and Jesus loves you. And these are his words. They're not my words. They're his words. And if you persecute me, it's not because you don't like me. It's because you have an issue with Jesus and he's okay with that. So like, let's just work this thing out. <laughs> do whatever you need to do here. Um, and I hope that you see how much Jesus loves you as we go through this way. Verse 14, this is another way for us as covenant members of Sacred Mission Church. As for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Verse 15, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And verses 14 and 15 are just wonderful. I mean, this is one of the reasons why our kids' ministry is not babysitting. Our kids' ministry is acquainting our kids with the sacred writings. Our kids' ministry is them seeing Jesus and meeting him and learning about him so that they can love him with their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And here, Paul is telling Timothy, like, your, your parents taught you the word of God. Your grandmother, your mother taught you the sacred writings. You're acquainted with them. Continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. I mean, how great 10 years from now at, at youth camp to be able to be like, man, continue in what we've been teaching you. Continue in what you've learned firmly believing it, knowing, knowing whom you've learned. Like, look how messed up we are. And look at what he's doing through us. Like, you see the truth of this? Like, and they're like, yeah, man, like none of this would happen without the power of God because I know you guys too well. And it's like, yes, like follow our lives, our imperfect lives as we follow a perfect Savior. From childhood, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. I love the poetry and the beauty of that last statement. I mean, how great to have people who are seven years old or in their 70s that we can say, those people are wise for salvation through their faith in Christ Jesus. And this has made them very wise people. Then verse 16 is like the famous verse. If you're like, oh yeah, we're going to be studying about the Bible in 2 Timothy 3, most people just instantly in their mind who are familiar with the Bible go, oh, verse 16. 
Like, this is the well-known verse about the Bible in 2 Timothy 3. starts, all Scripture is breathed out by God. This is a Greek word called theonoustos. It actually means like a pneumatic drill is like an air drill, and God air. It's like, like the thea pneumatic. So those words together, and it's like God did this. And it's like, wow. There's like 1,100 chapters here that he breathed out. He didn't just breathe out the New Testament. He didn't just breathe out the book of Psalms. He breathed out 66 books written with 40 authors, and these are all his words. And he's saying, all of this is breathed out by God and is profitable. Like, yes, the book of Leviticus is profitable. It truly is. The book of Lamentations is profitable. All Scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God, you could say woman of God, man or woman of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. If there's any chapter in the Bible that doesn't feel profitable for us to meditate on for a lifetime, the problem isn't, oh man, I'm in the wrong chapter. I think what we start seeing is it's like, man, I think I need to grow in my knowledge of the Bible or I need to maybe grow in where I'm at in my life for this chapter to be profitable for me. Maybe I need to return to this chapter. Like I know all of these chapters are deeply profitable for me to correct me, to train me, to reprove me. And I love verse 17, that the person of God may be complete. How often do we turn to this and say, I need to be complete. I don't want to be a fractured person. I don't want to see myself in an incomplete way. I don't want to see my community in an incomplete way. I don't want to see my kids in an incomplete way. I need to be complete. I need to be a whole, healthy person. I need to meet with my God through his word. Equipped for every good work. That the, all the, the good things that the Lord has for us in this life, that this is equipping us to be able to walk those things out that the person of God may be equipped, complete, equipped for every good work. As we personally open the Bible, we're taking these steps towards being complete. I think as we gather, like to say, like, man, we're going to be in the Word of God together this morning. Like, that's moving towards me being complete and being equipped for what God has for me. We're going to meet in these small groups. We're going to fire all those back up in September. I think we're going to, we're kind of working to get uh, Lord willing, some, some groups in different communities and stuff where we're seeing people uh, be drawn to the church and everything. And in those, it'll be like, man, I, I need to be with people in the Word of God, being made complete, being equipped for what God has for us. And this is not leading us to winning Bible trivia. <laughs> you know, I don't see us being like, man, we're going to form a sacred mission church Bible trivia and we're going to dominate central Iowa. It's like, no, like that's, not what our community needs. That's not what we need. I'm not against Bible trivia. Patty actually is really good at it. And I remember she had, um, when I was in seminary, it was the president of our student class, which was probably like 500 seminary students who were getting their master's degrees in biblical studies. Um, I was doing really well in seminary. Patty was recovering from sinus surgery. Laying on the couch, I remember, with all of the stuff stuffed in her sinus cavity and stuff, 
and we were like, let's play, play Bible trivia. And it was Michael Volbada, me, and Patty, and she killed us. And I was like, oh, man, you're wounded, and you beat us, you know. Um, but Patty would even say, like, the goal in life is not that we'd win that. The goal is instead that, that God would lead us through his word to be the complete people that he's designed for us to be, uh, to be heading that direction so that we can actually live the life that he's designed for us. And this equips us to those ends. And um, man, I remember in 1997 giving my life to Jesus, opening the Bible, and I felt like I just landed in India. Couldn't speak the language, had no idea why the people were doing what they were doing, and it just felt like a total culture shock. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I just feel like I should have landed in India, you know? And I'm reading the Bible having no clue what I'm reading. And um, man, I'm now 23 years or so into reading the Bible, and I feel like there's like, I'm at like base camp one of Mount Everest. <laughs> and it's like, man, I feel like I'm just kind of getting started and actually discovering the treasures for me. And I think for us, like, don't be discouraged. Like, actually be encouraged and invited into like wherever we're at. It's like, man, I have a lifetime ahead of me of learning about my God through his word. And I think we'll, we'll kind of end with this is I think it's healthy for us to know that this treasure that we have is ours. I don't say that in a prideful way. I say that in like a really serious way that like Bryce Oswald, like this is yours. James Pennington, like this is yours. Like it, this is yours. It's an inheritance that God has given to you, a treasure to hold into your hands. And there was a season in the 1500s where it was illegal. It was illegal. There's a, a whole time period where it was illegal for the Bible to be in English. The thinking at the time was only the most elite, intellectual people who understand Latin, only those people have access to the Bible. Because if you have a Bible in your own hands, you're going to mess it up. So I'll read it and I'll tell you what it says. And there was a whole season where that was the thinking. And in the 1500s, this guy named William Tyndale was talking with a friend, and he was talking about, you know what? I think everybody should be able to have access to God's word for themselves. And his friend was like, no, <laughs> too risky. No, I think the cost would be too high. And by the way, it's illegal, punishable by death to be involved in getting the English Bible into the hands of people. And uh, what I love here is that Tyndale, Tyndale's friend was like, I don't think ordinary folks need to know the scriptures. I think it might be like, let's just let the Pope who knows Latin, and he'll tell us what it says. And Tyndale said this in reply in his letter to his friend. And I love it because he talks about farmers in this too. Tyndale says, I defy the Pope, who is just the, don't think of today, think of 600 years ago, uh, institutional church that had lost its way. And Tyndale said, I defy the Pope and all of his laws. If God spares my life, I will make a boy that drives a plow know more of the scriptures than he does. And I love that. Like what Tyndale envisioned was that any boy out on the farm could actually know this better than any scholar does. And that is what God offers to us 
is like, this is for everybody. And I love, I defy the Pope and all his laws. If God spare my life, I will make a boy that drives a plow know more of the scripture than he does. Tyndale ends up translating the Bible into English before he's, he's a treacherously um, a person like totally turned on him that he thought was a friend but was actually a spy and gave him up and Tyndale was murdered and was actually burned at the stake and all that stuff for translating the Bible so that we could read it in English. And um, what's amazing though is the King James Bible, which has been the most sold Bible in English in the history of the English language, more than 90% of the English in the King James Bible was Tyndale's translation. And so it's amazing that a whole generation, many generations of people who were learning about Jesus through his word, Tyndale gave his life for that because of the importance of us. On September 6, 1536 was when Tyndale was killed wanting boys driving a plow to be able to have as much access to God as anybody else does. And so, um, so can I pray for us as we, uh, as we just kind of step into that we would be people of the word of God? Lord, I ask that you would grow us. Lord, I, I don't intend for this sermon today to be a bow that um, is just kind of a place that we land. I feel like this is a sermon that's a beginning. That's a beginning for you to form us, no matter where we're at that would we be people of the word? Would we be lovers of truth? Would it bring us to you, Jesus? May our, our community be full of the word of God because the word of God is fully forming us. It's, it's just pouring into us, Lord, every day until our last day and today. Would the Holy Spirit empower these words today to bring us to you, Lord? Would the Holy Spirit empower us right now to commune with you by moving towards you, Lord? Some of us need to move towards you in salvation and say, I want to be all in. I want to be complete. I want to be free from my sins. Jesus, you, you did that for me. And I don't want to be loving self. I don't want to be a lover of pleasure I want to find pleasure in you so that you can show me how to, how to really thrive. Some need to move towards you in salvation in this room this morning. Some need to move towards you in repentance. Lord, you've revealed so much to me. And so much has bounced off of me. And I don't want to, I don't want to be numb to you. I don't want your ways, your words to be bouncing off of me. I want them to be like seeds in my heart that just grow and thrive. Lord, would you forgive me? Would you start teaching me your word? Would you, would you show me just how to profitably learn from you, learn from your word? Lord, would all of us just move towards you this morning? Thank you for the treasure that you've given us. Thank you for men like William Tyndale, who we might not have ever even known but who um, gave so much so that we could actually read of you in our own language. Lord, for those who labor in those ways even today, in, in working so hard, I even think of Justin Taylor in Sioux City, who's devoted his life to us being able to, uh, to read your word profitably. 
I pray that you would just continue to bless him. And Lord, would you just form in us to truly be people of the Bible, that when people are being drawn to you, they would know that they just need to find someone who's a part of Sacred Mission Church to hear what they must do to be saved. Jesus, in your name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. A beautiful way that the Lord's given us to move towards him is in communion. And this is truly, uh, it's, it's he designed this, and it's not a fancy made-up word. It's just purely what it says is that this is us communing with him. Uh, the way that we do this is you don't have to be a member of our church. You don't have to, uh, to be Methodist or any, Roman Catholic or any of that stuff. What you need to be is a follower of Jesus, a person who's given your life to Jesus. To, it doesn't make sense for you to take this without taking Jesus. It doesn't make sense for you to commune with him here and not commune with him as your savior, giving your life to him. And so I would just encourage you, instead of taking this, like take him. Uh, give your life to him. Uh, I'd love to talk with you if that's not clear how to do that, and I'd love to lead you into that. Um, but for those of us who are followers of Jesus, uh, one of the warnings in Scripture is for us to not take this in an unworthy way or not before we first repented of known sin in our lives. And so, so feel free to take a moment to, to repent, to take a moment to just, um, just kind of pause and let him maybe show you areas of um, places to step closer to him. But then what we'll do is we'll come, take the elements, and it's just a cup within a cup. And so it's all juice, and then there's a cracker underneath, so you just take it and separate the cups. But feel free to come, take those, stay standing, and then we'll, we'll take together communion. So, so let's all come and respond to him.